And that's what we're talking about today. Daniel in the lion's den is a, is a part of what we're talking about today. So if you have your Bibles, if you could turn in Daniel, uh, chapter 1 is where we're starting. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. We're going to have it on the screen right behind me. But we're going to dive right into this. Before we do, let's pray real quick. God, we love you. We thank you. I pray that it would be your words that are spoken and not mine, that your Holy Spirit would pierce hearts today that only in the way that he can. And God, we praise you this morning. We thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, we're jumping off in this thing, Daniel chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6. It says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, good old Nebi, uh, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. Now, uh, it's good for you to understand that King Jehoiakim, he was like uh, what they called a puppet king to uh, Pharaoh at the time. And so whatever Pharaoh said, basically King Jehoiakim said in his place. And and, uh, this is one of the reasons why God delivered King Jehoiakim into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. And then it goes on to say, uh, these he carried off into the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And those last three you know um, probably mostly as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, because they received new names. And that brings us to our point number one. If you're taking notes today, I encourage you to do that. And if you don't, uh, we do have some uh, pieces of paper over here, some notes that you can take it on. If you need that, just slip up your hand. One of our ushers will be glad to bring that to you. But uh, our first point today is the enemy will try to rename you. It says in Daniel 1.7, the chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. And as as you see in what we just read in verses 1 through 6, what they were trying to do, what Nebuchadnezzar wanted to do, he said, Ashpenaz, I want you to take these young men who who are well-informed, they're smart, they're good-looking, strapping young lads, if you will, and and we want to train them for what we believe. We want to pour into them, we want to pound into them what we're all about as Babylonians, Forget the Israelites, forget what they learned in Judah. We're going to reform them, uh, brainwash them, if you will, into what we believe and to how we want them to be. And the enemy will try to rename you. And here's what I mean by that. The given names that they had as Israelites, Daniel means God is my judge. And the name that Ashpenaz gave them, the Babylonians gave them, or gave Daniel, Belteshazzar, means this. Check this out. It means lady, protect the king. Lady, protect the king. I'm going to let that sink in for just a second, and I'm going to let the Holy Spirit reveal to you some things that even are going on in today's culture, in modern day, that the enemy wants to rename you. He wants to cause confusion in your heart, in your mind, 
That's, it's huge right now. Gender confusion. Who am I? Who is, who, who is the world calling me? I can't tell you how many times in high school that I was called gay because I enjoyed fashion and because I was much smaller in stature than I am now. I didn't grow until I was a senior in high school. I wasn't nearly as um, strapping as I am now. <laughs> Thank you, Susie. I appreciate that. <laughs> I was very small. And I remember one day I was, uh, I'm not going to go into the story, but when I was 15 years old, I was called into the ministry. In this same year, the enemy tried so hard to rename me. And I, I quit sports. I quit basketball. I quit football. The only thing I played still was soccer, and that was off again, on again. And uh, I was walking outside through this, this covered kind of corridor area, and I was walking by the football locker room, and this, this guy, his, his name actually, oddly enough, was Landon as well. And I'm walking by, and he's with his buddies, and I hear him say, see you, gay boy, and laughs with his buddies, and I can't tell you the pain that that brought me, because as, as an insecure high schooler, you're trying to discover who you are. And all these people around you are telling you who you are. At least you think that's what, that they're, what they're telling you is truth. That's what you feel like. And I remember going into uh, my sister's car. She was taking me home from school and bawling my eyes out because it confused me. I was like, what do they mean? Like, that's not who I am. Is, is that who I am? That's not who I am. I'm not. That's not what God calls me. That's not who I am. But culture around me tried to rename me, tried to tell me I wasn't good enough, tried to tell me I was someone who I was not, causing confusion in my mind. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do to you today, is he wants to cause confusion. He wants to rename you to something that you're not, that he hasn't called you or made you to be. Lady, protect the king. And what they're doing here is they're causing the focus to go from God to man. Instead of saying, hey, God is my judge, he's the one who I answer to. It's saying, lady, protect the king. That's your job. You answer to man, not to God. They're shifting the focus from God to man. And Hananiah says, Yahweh has been gracious. Shadrach, what they named him to, says, I am fearful of God. Is that not the enemy's greatest hit is fear? He tries to drive fear into your heart and into your life so that you're scared. You're terrified of what's to come, and, and, and you think of God as this bad thing, like, oh, my goodness, if I mess up, he's going he's gonna to strike me dead. He's going to cause pain and suffering to come into my family, into my life. And they're shifting the focus from God is good to God is bad. They're beginning to change, try and change their heart and change their mind to say, that's not who you are. You're not Hananiah, you're Shadrach, you're fearful, you're full of fear. They're shifting the focus from God is good to God is bad. Mishael, who is what God is? Who can stand beside my God? Who can compare to him? No one can. He's got confidence, he's got faith in his God. He, he says, this is my God and I stand by him. There's no one who compares. And they changed his name to Meshach, which means I am despised, contemptible, and humiliated. They're driving his spirit down. This is not who you are. 
You, you can't say, I've got confidence in my God. You're despised. No one even likes you. Nobody even cares for you. They're trying to rename him and change the focus from confidence to cowardice. How, how many has that happened to today in America? You begin to speak out for what you believe God is doing in your life and for what you believe, and they say, hey, hush your mouth, you Christian. You've got nothing good to say. No, whatever you say doesn't mean anything. Just hush. Shut your mouth. I don't want you to speak up anymore. And they're trying to hush us and, and call us something that God hasn't created us to be. And to Azariah, Yahweh has helped me. And Yahweh is a very endearing term. It's a very close term, like a sonship. Yahweh has helped me. And they changed his name to Abednego, which means servant of Nebo. They're changing the focus from sonship to slavery. The enemy will try to rename you. And when culture shifts, listen to this, when culture shifts, you better know who you are in Jesus Christ. Because it's shifting right now. You got to open up your eyes because it's happening. The media, the news, you see it all over the place. Culture is shifting and you better know who you are in Jesus Christ as it begins to shift. How do I do that? You do it by spending time in the word of God. You do it by listening to what God has called you and created you to be and not from the world. You do it by surrounding yourself with others who believe what God believes, what God says in his word. You do it by surrounding yourself with others who will uplift you and encourage you. You get involved in a power group. You get involved in those and a community who will encourage you, who will lift you up and call you who God calls you and not what the world wants you to believe, not what culture is trying to rename you as. Moving on to Daniel 1.8, it says, but Daniel resolved not to devile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. And what culture will do, what the enemy will try and do, number two, is the enemy will try to tame you. The enemy will try to say, no, this is what we're doing. This is what we've asked you to do. This is what you're supposed to do, so do it. And Daniel said, no, no, no. I know what I believe. I know what God has called me to do. And he goes to Ashpenaz, and he says, hey, listen. And he doesn't do this to, to get in his face. He doesn't get in his face and point his finger and say, I'm not doing this. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing. He's not angry. He comes with confidence. The, the term here, resolved, he, he made a resolution inside him. He came with confidence, and he said, I'm not doing this. But he also came in respect and said, listen, Ashpenaz, I, I understand that what the king wants is for us to eat this choice food and the, this wine, but this is not what God has called me to do. If it's okay with you, just feed us vegetables and give us water. And Ashpenaz had favor. God allowed him to have favor upon him. It goes on to say in uh, Daniel 1, 9 to 10, that God caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of the Lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. In Daniel 1, 11 to 14, it says, Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test your servants for 10 days. And here's just a little bonus. Anytime you see 10 in the Bible, it, it, it's related to a test. 
uh, the Ten Commandments. It's re- related to the faithfulness of, of uh, Moses and the people. They're testing, God is testing their faithfulness. You see um, the tithe, the tenth. This is the only time in the Bible that God asks us to test him. So anytime you see ten, it goes along with a test. Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in, according, in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. There will always be a test from the world's culture. You will be tested in your workplace, in your school, with your friends, in your family. You will be tested. But when culture shifts, don't lose your convictions. When culture shifts, don't Lose your conviction. We had the opportunity about six years ago, uh, myself and Isaiah and Elijah and Paul Smack, Steve Weatherby, uh, Billy Grandizio, we had the opportunity to go on a, a TV show called Silent Library. Now, this is like an older uh, TV show. I don't even know if they air it today anymore. Um, but it's an, it's an MTV show. And you know MTV. I mean, they show some crazy junk. And so... <laughs> We went into this thing thinking, man, this, this is a crazy opportunity that we have to be on here. But we also went in knowing what our convictions were. And they came to us with this list of things that they were asking us to do. And some of them, we said, you know what? We don't agree with this. We can't stand by this. And so we approached them, um, not out of anger and not saying, we're not doing this. Uh, we're done with this show. We just came and said, hey, listen, this is what we believe. Um, we'd be way more comfortable if we could just kind of swap this out with, with another thing. And they respected that. The producer said, okay, we can do that for you. But because we stood by our convictions, they allowed it to happen. They had favor. I believe God opened the door for that to happen because we were able to be on a platform and share um, our convictions with others. Not that we were able to do it on MTV, but because of that experience, we've been able to share um, what we did through that, what we were able to do through that. And we decided we're not going to lose our convictions, even though they were asking us to do a specific thing. When culture shifts, don't lose your convictions. At the end, uh, Daniel 1, 15 to 19, at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine They were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding and all kinds of literature, of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. God gave them favor because they stood by their convictions of what God asked them to do. And Daniel went on to interpret dreams for King Nebuchadnezzar. And it was incredible the favor that Daniel had from that experience because he stood by his convictions and said, this is what God has called us to do, so this is what we're going to do. He didn't give in to the pressure around him. When culture shifts, never give in to the pressure. When culture shifts, never give in to the pressure. And this is the last one. We're closing up here. The enemy will try to claim you. He's going to try to rename you. He's going to try to tame you. And lastly, he's going to try to claim you. And Daniel 6, we're jumping up five chapters here. Daniel 6. 
King Nebuchadnezzar was in, in chapter 1, and in, in chapter 6, the king at this time is King Darius, and King Darius had a special favor um, for Daniel. He admired him. But it says this, finally these men, and the men that, that it's referring to here is these satraps, these officials uh, who were jealous of the favor that David had under this king. You see, over these 20-some years between chapter 1 and chapter 6, God had continual favor because of the convictions that Daniel stood by. And because of that, God had favor on him through the eyes of the king. But there were the men around him who were jealous. They were jealous of what Daniel was able to accomplish. And it said this, finally, these men, they said, we will never find any basis for charges against Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. The royal administrators, the prefects, the satraps, the advisors and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any God or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it into writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. He put the decree in writing without realizing what was happening, that they were conspiring against Daniel and they were using the king to catch him. And they knew the only way to do that was to use his God against him. And so the next morning, just like he did every morning, Daniel got out of his bed, he opened up his window, he knelt down, and he began to pray for, before God because he was faithful in that. He had a relationship with God. And these men, these officials, they caught him in the act of praying. And they said, we got him. Grab him. Let's go to the king. So they grab Daniel. They take him to the king. They said, King Darius, the, the decree that you just wrote, this man has broken the law. And in that moment, King Darius realized what these men had done, and his hands were tied. He had no choice but to throw him in the lion's den. So they did just that. They threw him in the lion's den. King Darius couldn't sleep. He was distraught all day, all night. He was pacing around. He was like, oh, my goodness, what have I done? What have I done? Daniel, he's gone because of this decree that I signed. And the next morning, the sun came up, and, and King Darius, he ran out to the den. And as he's approaching this den, he begins to hear a voice. And I believe that Daniel was in that den with the lions. I believe that he began to sing praises to God. I, be, I believe that he began to pray and cry out to God in that moment. And I believe it sounded something like this. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. No, it won't work. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. It won't work because this, because God will do what he said he will do. He will stand by his word. 
he will come through and God will do what he said he will do you stand by his word he will come through no weapon formed against me shall prosper it won't work no weapon formed against me shall prosper no it won't work and king darius he's approaching the mouth of the cave and and he says daniel daniel is that you and daniel says yo what up king dd just chilling here with these kitty cats man we're, we're singing Mufasa's holding down the baseline for me. And King Darius says, your God is truly the one true God. He says, hey, officials, get this man out of here. He doesn't belong in there. Let's get him out. And he grabs the men who conspired against Daniel. And he said, not just these men, but his, their whole families. They belong to be thrown in the pit with this lions. And, and I think this is an incredible moment because it says at that moment, they threw them in and before they ever hit the ground, the lions overtook them and crushed their bones. You know what that tells me? It tells me that the lions were hungry all night long. They hadn't had some big meal beforehand and, and they weren't just satisfied for the time being. God shut the mouths of the lions and they could not move. He tamed the lions. Where the enemy tried to tame you, he reversed and he said, no, I'm taming the enemy. He has no stronghold over you. He's got no right to rename you. He's got no right to tame you and he cannot claim you. By my might and power, it's done. And they overtook him. And it shows God, God's power in that moment. The greatness of our God. He kept Daniel, but he allowed their mouths to be opened when the men who conspired against him, his son, Daniel, you're a son and you're a daughter of the king. And when the enemy tries to come against you, he's going to flip that right back on them. Because no weapon formed against you shall prosper. If God is for you, who can be against you? Today, I challenge you, don't let the enemy rename you. Don't let the enemy tame you. Stand up for what you believe and don't let him claim you. He's going to try and claim your life. That's the enemy's ultimate goal is to see you dead. Not, not, not just physically, but spiritually, but emotionally throughout your entire life. If he can shut you up, then he's won. But it's not going to happen. The enemy's not going to claim us today. Amen. I've got two questions to leave you with today. Number one, will I change the world or will the world change me? What's going to happen? Are you going to allow the world around you to rename you? Will my identity come from God or will it come from the world? Who's God called you to be? The title of this sermon today, I haven't even told you yet. It's called OG me. And if you don't know what OG means, it's, it's this modern day slang for original gangsta. In this terminology, we're using it as original. Original me. 
God created you to be someone specifically original. He created you a specific way in the world. Culture is trying to shift that. It's trying to change that. Trying to rename you. But God says, no, I want you to be the OG you. I want you to be who I created you to be. And don't settle for anything less. Will my identity come from God or will it come from the world? Would you stand with me this morning? And if you say today, I want to identify with God. I want, I want my identity to come from God. Then today we have an opportunity to give a public expression of our faith in Jesus Christ. Just like this tattoo that I wear on my finger. It's a symbol that I belong to Allie, my wife. And ain't nobody else can have this. You know what I'm saying? I belong to my wife. It's a symbol everybody knows. And just like baptism, it's the same way. When you're baptized, when you go down into the water, it's a symbol that the old has washed away. The sin is gone. There's no strongholds left on you. And when you come up out of the water, you're a new creation. You're a new creation in Jesus Christ. The old has gone. And you're declaring publicly that I believe in Jesus. I confess with my, my mouth, I believe in my heart that Jesus raised him from, the, that God raised him from the dead. And I'm saved. And we have that opportunity today, right after this service. At 12.30, we're going to gather and we're going to celebrate. It's a celebration today of what God has done for us. It's an outward expression of an inward change of an inward decision in Romans 6 3 it says for sin's power over us was broken when we became Christians and were baptized to become a part of Jesus Christ and we have that opportunity today and if you're here and you, you say today man I want I want a relationship like Daniel had with his God he had confidence in him I know that God created me to be an OG me. And I want that today. I want, I want to make that decision. If you're here today and you would say, I, I need that relationship with Jesus Christ like Daniel had. If you want a relationship and a new life with him, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. You can just slip up your hand. I'm not going to call you up. I'm not going to call you out. Just slip up your hand. Let me know that you want to receive Jesus today as your Lord and Savior. I'll wait just a, a minute longer. Amen. Amen. We're going to throw a scripture up right behind me. And what I want you to do if you raise your hand is just to re repeat this after me. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's as simple as that. There's no other magic words that you have to say. You don't have to jump up and down. You don't have to spin around. That's all you have to do. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and you will be saved. Ask God to forgive you of your sins. 
to wash you away. You'll step into a new life this morning. Can we celebrate that new life today for those who made that decision? Amen. 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 If you did make that decision today, you have the opportunity to be baptized and to proclaim that to everyone around you. We would encourage you to do that. We've got a shirt for you. We've got shorts. We've got a towel. We came prepared for you so that you would have the opportunity to do that today.